We began Season 11 with a proposition to work towards an anxious GM's guide to tabletop role-playing games. 26 episodes, or 6 months later, what have we managed to unearth and rediscover? As I sit down to record one final episode, it seems that it might be a good opportunity to try and find out. Hey, it's Che, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello Rescuers, my name is Che Webster and this is Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our lost role-playing games hobby. Back in July, as Season 11 opened, I spoke about how some roleplayers experience deep anxiety around playing and running games. One of the most repeated comments I have received over the past four years of producing this podcast has been the one about how much my honest talk about anxiety has resonated with other people. This episode ends a season of Roleplay Rescue that opened with a broad theme, an anxious GM's guide to fantasy roleplaying. I'd like to take the opportunity to review where we've been and share a few highlights that we learned along the way. This is Season 11, Episode 26, Finale. Back in July 2022, I wanted to explore the ways in which I had been learning to tame the anxiety and get more from my role-playing games hobby. The first trick I adopted was an experimental mindset. The experimental mindset has three steps. You set up an experiment and you predict the outcome. You write it down, preferably. And then you do the experiment and you gather data on the outcome. And then you review the data and compare that data to your prediction. Yes, I mean, it is basically also known as doing the scientific method. So what did I say I was going to do with season 11? And how well did we do? Well, there were three main things. Firstly, sharing what I've learned and am continuing to learn about being the GM for my friends while working to unwind my anxiety about being the GM. Proposing approaches and tools that have worked for me in making my experience of running role-playing games more enjoyable and playful. And sharing my experiments and their outcomes in the spirit of offering you a route away from unhelpful attitudes and behaviours and towards a healthier expression of the hobby, at least if you're anything like me. To help evaluate these goals, it's worth reviewing where we've been over the past 24 episodes between the first and this very last recording. And so I am, in many ways, quite curious. Where has the journey taken us? What have I learned about being GM? Let's begin with a quotation from Dr. Stuart Brown. Quote, I have found that remembering what play is all about and making it part of our daily lives are probably the most important factors in being a fulfilled human being. The ability to play is critical not only to being happy, but also to sustaining social relationships and being a creative, innovative person. End quote. 
In other words, at least for me, the biggest realization, and I still wrestle with this one, has been the idea that playfulness is key. The most important quality of play, as Brown asserts, is the idea of doing it for its own sake, to remove ulterior motives and play with apparent purposelessness. Episode 2 gave us more detail on the qualities to look for and develop, so I'll not repeat them all here. Suffice it to say that being a better, less anxious GM begins with a lighter sense of play. Two conversations with Simon Williams from the Legend of the Bones podcast have reminded me of the possibilities and value that can arise from solo role-playing games. In particular, Simon's emphasis on playing something you enjoy without the perceived judgment of others has proven a fresh perspective and inspiring to boot. Thus, allowing oneself to focus on the gameplay with characters and creating an interesting otherworld has been a useful second tip. That led, seemingly naturally, into a more general desire to move away from focus on endless rules discussions and into the realms of imagining more interesting otherworlds as I realised more and more that the real juice of role-playing comes from sharing a fantastic world of adventure with other players and seeing what their characters would do within it, the focus has shifted away from seeking mechanisms for play and towards exploring interesting places, people and situations. The more I've let go of preconceived ideas about what I want from an individual session and allowed myself to play, the greater has been the experience of what Brown describes. Quote, Play provides freedom from time. When we are fully engaged in play, we lose a sense of the passage of time. We also experience diminished consciousness of self. We stop worrying about whether we look good or awkward, smart or stupid. We stop thinking about the fact that we are thinking. In imaginative play, we can even be a different self. We are fully in the moment, in the zone. We are experiencing flow. End quote. Which approaches and tools worked to make running RPGs more enjoyable? Well, back in episode 4, I discussed the value of simple game structures and also the concept of the open table. I proposed that a straightforward D&D-inspired fantasy game was easy to attain and a pretty playful option. This led to my own Heraeth experiment with an open table, which, although not as long-lived as I'd hoped, was a positive and engaging game. The problem I kept running into was the monstrous challenge of feeling prepped enough to run a regular game in the face of a demanding career and personal life, and also, to be very frank, running out of energy. The single most powerful tool for making my gymming more enjoyable and doable has been the development of Tiny Prep. Based on BJ Fogg's excellent Tiny Habits, this has been my adaptation of his methodology to create a tiny habit of GM prep in my day. By focusing away from motivation, which is inherently fickle, and towards my perceived ability to take action, I have more successfully and consistently got small things done, and it's the small things done daily that add up. Certainly being the flawed human being that I am, this has stuttered along since episode 11, but ultimately the method has worked. It has been the addition of wisdom from John 4, especially his concept of the source of truth within which to organise your prep notes that has tipped the balance for me as we close this season. 
Beginning to use Campaign Logger has revolutionized my personal methods for prep because it leverages small, short notes typed into the application and automatically cross-referenced. It's the incremental building of world notes that I can easily reference during play, which has significantly increased my confidence and got me thinking about getting back to the table. Which experiments have yielded the best escapes from anxiety? Playing alone and with no particular purpose has reintroduced joy to my experience of role-playing. I have mucked around with several ideas for worlds and characters which have yielded both enjoyment in the moment but also insight for my hobby more broadly. Whether running myself through a quick battle, exploring a few scenes with a particular character or simply enjoying the process of creation that comes from this or that activity, the overall result has been more joy. Learning to enjoy these characters and worlds that I create has led me towards wanting to create even more of them. Shutting down my games because I realised that I was trying to do too much and switching towards doing no group play at all has also proven useful. In short, I became withdrawn and lonely, unhappy and restless, but then I recognised that my preferred approach to RPGs is social, and once I realised I enjoy being with my gaming friends, I was much better able to relax around them. Finally, the best approach has been to focus on creating the worlds I want to offer for players to explore. Instead of thinking about game rules, I have switched towards playing around with interesting worlds and the methods which bring some of those worlds into sharp focus. This has in turn filled my creative mind with the enjoyment of inventing all the small details that add up to an interesting world. It turns out that the joy lies in the details. And so here we are at the end of season 11. Beginning 2023, I am in a much more coherent place as a GM than I was six months ago. I know that I want to run a regular role-playing game for my friends and we're working towards that goal on a Saturday night, at least twice a month. I'm also clear that I need to schedule time for solo experimentation, especially around those elements of gameplay that fascinate me but get very little response or interest from others. Finally, I recognise that scheduling just five minutes of tiny prep daily makes a huge difference to my ability to deliver on sessions for my friends. At the same time, it is important to recognise that I am the same person who wrestles with anxiety and sometimes depression, who is very probably ADHD, the diagnosis process will likely take into 2025 here in the UK, and who simply wakes up some days with total lack of enthusiasm for anything more complicated than breathing. And yeah, actually, sometimes breathing feels hard. Which is to say that I am likely to continue to cycle around the same familiar themes and ideas because, well, that's who I am. I'm likely to cave in and cease forward progress because sometimes I simply can't move anywhere. And some days I will be wrestling and I'll lose. And that's something I'm learning to accept. All in all, Season 11 has been a journey back towards the joy that role-playing games gave me as a teenager and which I sacrificed on the altar of doing things just so. I'd like to think that I'm becoming more flexible as a GM, less anxious and much more committed to my friends. I am finding the road back towards a kind of play that's enjoyable to me and it seems to some of my friends too. And it's just possible that recording these episodes over the past four years has helped one or two other people as well. So thanks for listening. I hope this helps you. 
and game on. As you know, I do love to hear from you. And even though we've come to the end of this season, and I'm not quite sure where we're going from here, if you've got questions or comments, please, please do hop over to speakpipe.com slash roleplayrescue, where you can leave up to a 90-second message. Of course, if you prefer, just open up a voice memo app on your device, record what you want to say or ask, and email it directly to me via hello at rpgrescue.com. For now... Let's just share the bucket load of great messages, thoughts and questions which I've received from listeners over the past month or more of Roleplay Rescue Season 11. Over to you guys. AKA Jason here. Listen to your 1121, your interview solo with Simon Williams. And sorry, <laughs> you got me in the car, so you're getting lots of calls. But you talk about, you know, maybe being a little embarrassed about carrying dice in your pocket. I carry dice in my pocket all the time, too. I got that. Actually, I got it. Ray Otis was talking with Cody Mazza on a podcast a few years ago and talking about dice in the pocket. And that comes from a, a game called, like, Swords and Backpacks, I think. And, and there's a comment about there about pocket dice and always carrying dice in your pocket. And, and, and I've done that ever since I heard that. Now, I carry a D20 and a D12 because I find with a D20 and D12, I can duplicate any die roll. But as a GURPS player, 3D6 makes a ton of sense, so I understand why you're doing that. Um, but, yeah, don't feel bad about dice in your pocket, man. I, I carry dice in my pocket every day. And I, every now and then I pull them out and use them. In fact, the a lot of the games I'm in now, we roll real dice. And I went to my mom's from work over the weekend, and the only dice I brought with me are the ones in my pocket. And I've used them to you know, play AD&D first edition and use the dice in my pocket to make that happen. So that was really cool. Um, anyhow, I, I, I just wanted to tell you that don't be embarrassed about dice in your pocket. And let me get back to the interview. And again, really enjoyed your interview with Simon Williams on solo play. And, and I think some really important things came out of there. The idea that if you're immersed in a game world or in your, you know, fantasy world, whatever, that down the road is just as real to you as your real life memories. Very interesting. And yeah, as far as how to make that solo world, uh, ongoing plot and the idea of doing the sandbox campaign and then rolling to see how connected the different events are. I think that's a great way to do it. Very interesting and very adaptable to even if you're running a campaign for a group. So I, so I think that's super, super useful. And I also agree with the point made that the game system really doesn't matter nearly as much as a lot of us would like to think it does. Um, it does some, as Simon alluded to. You know, if you have people that are Pathfinder players that are really into tactical combat, measuring and flanking and all this kind of thing, then playing Rhesus or playing the Black Hack might not work out for them, right? But in general, system matters not very much. And in general, it's not a big deal at all. And I 100% agree with that. Uh, it's much more the group dynamics or your di- internal dynamics. So great, great interview. Hey, Jay. John from Tale of the Manticore here. I just listened to your interview with Simon J. Williams, and it was enthralling. I loved every minute of it. I 100% agree that solo play is like a brave new world and a vastly unexplored 
wilderness of imagination and creativity. And I hope that more and more people discover it. Um, you had asked if I feel it uh, when I lose my PCs uh, at some point in the interview. Oh boy, do I ever. Yes, I bond very strongly with my characters and it breaks my heart when I lose one of them. However, I do know that when that happens, uh, there's a silver lining and that is that it really makes the uh, the story and the game that much more exciting because the stakes feel so very real. Anyway, keep up the great work. Um, I am loving this season uh, and all seasons. Uh, just loving your show in general, Che. All right. Talk to you soon, bud. Later. Hey, brother. Just finishing up your conversation with Jason. And it just reminds me that you really, well, I really need to find that balance between rules as written and uh, sort of rulings on the fly, or I'm not sure exactly what to call it, but um, I think I have a tendency to want to play with the rules more often than just play the game. And so it's very important to find that balance. And perhaps that is why, at least in part, I like to play games that have less of a cognitive load, let's say. I'm not going to call it crunchy or, you know, uh, rules light, but just something that has less of a cognitive load um, that maybe makes it easier to play with just a rules-as-written game, but at the same time allows for some home rule, uh, house rules um, customization. I don't know. It's early. I, I might be just talking bollocks. Hola, Che. It's Brian calling in, uh, cruising somewhere very far south in the frigid waters of the Antarctic and catching up on role play rescue episodes. It's actually not too frigid today. The air temperature has been pretty good. We've had good weather. So if uh, anyone is interested, which they probably aren't, it's been, um, I mean, anywhere from, from zero to even up to four a bit during the day. It's probably closer to zero today. And I'm outside. No wind. Anyway, um, did want to give some feedback. So just in general, the last set of conversations you've been having have been really, really uh, exceptional. They're entertaining, um, they're insightful, um, and I know that you know several of the guests um, have been on before, or at least uh, J- Jason, who uh, seems to be on every episode, uh, only kidding. Um, it, it, it's good to hear him again and, and explore some new areas. So yeah, I guess um, kind of two things. Uh, you, your conversation with Jason about AD&D and, old D and, and OD&D, th- this is something that, and I've said I think when I put out some pods and when I made comments, I've explored and even went and purchased the print-on-demand copy of the Core 3 of AD&D, mainly because, and and probably for a lot of us, this was the first, as a a kid might view it, grown-up role-playing game, and and the one you thought you graduated to after BX or after some of the other 
some of the other games you played and in in revisiting that i i find just a, a lot of value from the nostalgia um and it's a game that actually right now i would definitely play a session of but i think as you guys discussed um would also happily ignore modify get rid of some of the rules i'm kind of amazed now looking back and just you know realizing what what things are in there you know what what parts of the system you know have been there that maybe we've either never played with or those that have played rules as written uh, have either embraced or or found what many of us have have found that i mean it's great and they're very detailed and they probably had to be detailed just for the time that they were produced and trying to to codify something that was just so hard to codify and and distinguish from the wargaming roots but if you read them in one way, it seems like it. But I, I think you guys did a really good job. And, and for me, yeah, I, I, I am still drawn to that. And actually, before coming on this uh, uh, this adventure, um, when I did have some free time and went to grab one of the hardbacks from my shelves, I actually grabbed it quite a bit, the Dungeon Master Guide um, and even the Player's Handbook, just to leave through. So, yeah, I think it still rings true. Um, I guess one one thing I've noticed in listening to, and, and probably some of your listeners also have listened to Grog talk, you know, watch them. Um, it's 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 great to kind of watch them go back through AD and D and all the you know associated publications, rules, and get some gaming. Um, and there's been a guy that's been on, and also he does a series of YouTube videos. Um, David Thompson, actually from Australia, but that would, that's a great resource for anyone wanting to get big into it. And he's written some guides. I think they're available on. That kind of consolidate the rules. And I guess just to wrap this up, the, the one thing that I'm curious about is I suppose it's it's one thing itself that older gamers are coming back to it, right? Because we either grew up with it or around it, or or maybe even some gamers that came after it. But I'm curious to see if if AD&D or something similar appeals to new gamers, even if they've been playing 5e, or maybe as you're finding in the school club, you're getting some kids who are kind of looking at BX, looking at basic fantasy. Um, Today, so I'd say, I guess for, you know, gaming today, I'm wondering if you've never been exposed to it even if you're kind of doing bx and basic fantasy <laughs> if 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 there are aspects of AD&D that you'd embrace i suppose you know the different ancestry class options everything else but yeah just that that's a curious thing to me but i think um what david thompson and, and a few others kind of in the grog talk circles point out is um they do get a lot of younger gamers or other gamers kind of playing it so anyway just more of a of a question and i will leave it there Hey, Jason here. Just listened to 1123 Gaming with Young Adults. Great episode. And let's be honest, just about every single one of that those tips, that entire episode, could easily apply to gaming with adult, full adults as well. You, you know, introducing anybody new to the hobby. I, and that comes, just ba- comes back to the idea of just treating young adults as peers. And so great great episode really enjoyed it and look forward to your next one take care hello che just listening to your chat with simon and it had occurred to me that i may be looking at solo play the wrong way um i have always had a hard time getting into solo play outside of things like uh, the fighting fantasy novels 
because it's hard, I think, for me to be both the GM and the player character. <clears throat> and it just occurred to me, why not play solo play as a GM and the player characters you are rolling dice for, but you play it from the perspective of the GM. And so that um, it's not much different from GMing a game. The only difference is that you are creating a world for a phantom player. And so the you can still make choices for those characters, or perhaps there's a maybe maybe there's a AI out there that would work best for the choices that the player characters might make. But I think I'm gonna give that a try. Uh, solo play as the GM. Hmm. Hey, Jason, you're just listening to 1124, and I think that manifesto is perfect. If somebody's interested in an other world immersion kind of game, I, I think that sets the goalposts very clearly. And if that doesn't sound attractive to them, then they'll know they don't want to join that particular game. That doesn't mean that, like you said, that's not the only game you want to play, and you're not telling everybody they have to play that way. You, you know, you're not prescribing you will play this way. You're just saying, this is the kind of game I'm envisioning. I'm interested in trying out or interested in pursuing. And I, I think having descriptors like that, like this manifesto are great because it, it helps make sure that it serves the same session as same thing as session zero, where it makes sure everybody's on the same page and they're looking for the same thing. And it helps, you know, eliminate misunderstandings down the road. So I really enjoyed this episode and I look forward to the next one. Take care. Massive thanks to all the callers today. Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, John from The Tale of the Manticore, Frank from Middle Kingdom's Adventure and Training Company, and Brian from I'll Have to Look That Up. Great thoughts, guys. Thanks also to the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue, and to John from Tale of the Manticore for the show music. Big thanks to you for listening, and I hope you found something useful in this season of the podcast. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. Here's wishing you all the best for 2023. Game on.